0: Method to the Madness is next. You're listening to Method to the Madness, a bi weekly public affairs show on KALX Berkeley celebrating Bay Area innovators. I'm Lisa Kiefer, and today I'm interviewing Ashel Eldridge, the founder and co director of Urban Pharmacy, a wellness, entrepreneurship, and education organization that provides personalized food production programs for schools, businesses, and communities. Ashel is an Oakland-based food justice activist and community organizer connecting the dots between climate, food, and health. Welcome to the program, Ashel.
1: Hey. How's it going?
0: First of all, I want to talk to you about Urban Pharmacy. Tell me what Urban Pharmacy is and, and what's going on with that.
1: Yeah. Well, Urban Pharmacy is a wellness, entrepreneurship, and education organization. Essentially, we operate in schools and in the community to produce food growing systems for the community. Or for the school. For the school, we do the curriculum with them um, around mindfulness, STEM education, job preparedness, career preparedness stuff. But in the community, we, we're looking creatively at creating some opportunities for people to do value-added products, for what grows in their community in general.
0: Where are you located?
1: We're, I mean, we're a project at Earth Island Institute, so we're here in Berkeley in, in that sense. But um, we have projects from in Oakland. You also have projects in Sacramento.
0: And when did you start this? Last year.
1: So I had an organization called SOS Juice started in 2012, Systematic System Juices. We did discount juice cleanses, solar power juices, smoothies, elixirs, tonics at farmer's markets with low-income youth in Oakland. And um, that sort of branched out into a deeper awareness around how we can create healing and create healing product and entrepreneurship in the community, and I created Urban Pharmacy back in 2014.
0: Let's go back to SOS, Juice, because I was reading that you were working with some high schools in Oakland, I believe, around climate change issues and health issues. It wasn't enough, and it led you to think about doing something else.
1: Yeah, well, I was working at Alliance for Climate Education, a great organization, national organization, um, inspiring, activating young people around climate change, doing presentations around the country, and um, I was doing, you know, I was in Northern California um, media and leadership manager for that. And, and then what I realized, I was going in, I was doing a presentation, I was getting sp- inspiring young people. We were setting up groups in the schools, young, you know, the young folks were getting leadership skills on how to create and organize in their school around, you know, recycling or whatever they wanted to focus on. And I started to focus more on food, climate, and health in general, um, just based on some personal stuff. I was doing SOS juice simultaneously to work in the ACE. And then so essentially I, I saw that the, the deeper impact I needed in communities, specifically like, uh, like black and brown communities, low income communities was the energy of the SOS juice, which involved more like a, like a spiritual aspect as well. And also a need to look at deeper uh, traumas and seeing how those internal workings were creating the external world. And I was looking at that as a form of activism and, also wanted to set up some sense of self empowerment and looking at what type of solutions we could create in in that sense as well. So
0: didn't the Trayvon Martin thing kind of trigger that too at that time?
1: Yeah, I mean there was I mean there was a lot of things going on. That was um in um, I mean Fruitvale Station came out, which was talking about Oscar Grant, and that film came out. And I think the same time it aired in Oakland, like the week after or that day or something actually, the verdict came down around the Trayvon Martin mm-hmm. Zimmerman case. So in the movie theater literally people were bawling and crying and it was like the most intense movie i'd seen which is you know reason why i do a lot of multimedia stuff too because the media really really hits hits home but from that moment i was like wow there would be opportunity here to actually utilize this you know my training is in transpersonal psychology so i have a training in 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 shamanism and in healing arts in general so my view was like wow this created a cathartic moment an opportunity for for deeper healing which is um what I saw when I was in the schools, you know, sure, we can get people information, but um, it's sort of topical, you know, when you look at some of the deeper inner workings. So, you know, from that moment, I was like, you know what, we got to do an event focused on, you know, Trayvon Trauma and Reconciliation. So I did SOS Juice event at United Roots, which is where we're doing our events our events at in Oakland, 2781 Telegraph, United Roots, and um, had a community come together and we had a process and then dialogue and, and people would walk on dy- dyads and had ceremony around that and passed out juices that we prayed over that actually had some drops in it from a group that I work with called Flora Alive that have uh, trauma-releasing uh, flowers, like high-frequency flowers. And like what like kind that.
0: of flowers? Are medicinal?
1: I forget exactly. It's, it's like a formula of a bunch of different flowers, like amazing flowers. I think this guy, he finds flowers in sacred places like the andes all these different places he collects them and the way he makes it is really different it takes more like the energetic essence versus he doesn't cut them so sometimes you find that they're cut or or things like that so you make sure they have the whole energy field of the plant and what it does and what i've seen personally myself and also in, in the community is that it removes like actually some emotional blockages just the the flower so Really, we were looking at, so sadly, the whole thing is like looking at plants as ally, looking at our allies for humanity as we go through this transition and shift of awakening. And, you know, so urban pharmacy came out of that as well. It was like, okay, well, economics, we definitely need economics and economic empowerment, but we also need this, this sort of like this wellness aspect, this health aspect. We call
0: them prescriptions.
1: Yeah, so we, we look at it like everything is it's holistic, it's holistic healing. So, I mean, financial healing. Yeah, the community is really important, but also just the ability to look at some of the things that, that block ourselves from, you know, fully being fully self-expressed and fully actualized in the world. So that's to me, that, that was something just as important because.
0: Well, it makes sense because the injustices cause stress on your body. And then if you're eating crappy food on top of that, then you're you're never going to get rid of be able to get rid of the toxins that are the stress is causing. Correct. I mean, you are what you eat.
1: Yeah, exactly. I work with uh, this organization called Soul Shop, and they do uh, anti-bullying stuff in in schools. It's really powerful what they're doing because they're saying that, you know, everyone has a lot of stuff in their balloon, and how do we release that balloon, right? So in that sense, the same thing's happening in Baltimore and the same thing's happening in in everyone.
0: I feel like there's a groundswell.
1: Yeah, yeah, people need to empathize. I mean, on both ends. Like, there's 60% of domestic abuse offenses in the country are by police officers. So there's some trauma they're dealing with, right? They have this over aggression as well. So on all ends of it, and then when people are like, you know, crying out for the, I mean, the protest since it's the same thing. It's like, wow, like they want to be hurt. People want to be heard. They're like, wow, how is this not being accounted for? How mm-hmm. are people not recognizing this pain?
0: If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Method to the Madness, a bi-weekly public fair show on KALX Berkeley, celebrating Bay Area innovators. Today I'm interviewing Ashell Eldridge, the founder and co-director of Urban Pharmacy. He's an Oakland-based food justice activist and community organizer connecting the dots between climate, food, and health.
1: You know, urban pharmacy is just a small step of looking at okay, well let's look at the access in the community first and foremost in terms of like the the plant life. We look at, you know, the allies of the plants and then the food and then the medicines and the herbs and things like that. Let, and also the people. We're um, in Castlemont High School, Sustainable Urban Design Academy, SUDA, in Castlemont. So we're actually transforming a gun range into a, a hydroponics garden. Yay! <laughs> so so it's goes to guns the guns to gardens campaign they have over there. Tim, um, Eric's over there with urban pharmacy. He's over there. It's, it's, it's rocking out. So they're actually getting design, build skills, STEM skills. Folks are saying like, "Hey, I, you know, I didn't, I don't do math," and they're doing you know advanced calculus, you know, to create and design. The hydroponics. What are you growing? Right. Well, right now it's just because we just start, we started with them. We're just growing like simple things that can grow really fast, like arugula. That's something just so people can get a sense like, oh, this can grow and this can happen. But we plan on expanding it into different medicinals, native plants, um, something for us, uh, especially crops, culinary herbs, things like that for the for the hydroponics. Um, but also we're in the K-5 through school right now in West Oakland that has an after-school garden program. So we're doing that too, working with the little ones around mindfulness and things like that. So we just, we just we sort of just you know prototyping, getting our, our feet wet in there, and then developing some curriculum. And the next steps for us are making sure that curriculum is tight, making sure it all tight in in terms of getting people certifications that they need, food handles car, whatever they need to actually do that. We want to get that part settled. And then the next thing is this: these shipping containers. We're excited about transforming shipping containers, actually, into to storage containers and, and culinary kitchens. Oh, actually. cool! So such that. There can all be more like a cooperative exercise in the community with folks who, if you're growing whatever you're growing in your backyard, we can sort of harvest that and glean from the community, especially after some of these laws are changing and shifting. The foraging. The foraging, right. Mm-hmm. And I'm um, working within the system in, in that sense. And like, also some of the laws are changing around what can be foraged and what type of property you can sort of get stuff to go for commerce. But we're grabbing that stuff and then saying, hey, let's process all that stuff in this food hack space. Where we can like make our tinctures, our our juices, our our you know our jams, our butters, all that, whatever that is, in this particular space, and that's the community can take ownership of that particular space. They're so they're learning
0: about soil too, right? Like you know, if the soil's not clean, the produce isn't going to be clean, and
1: yeah, that's yeah, see that's powerful. So the whole the, you know the permaculture, the education is a holistic education itself because it has to do with the self, like getting our soils, essentially. We do, it's, it's three parts. One is the nonprofit part in you know, Earth Island Institute. So we're in the schools and we're doing the education and we're doing the build and we're doing the curriculum, mindfulness and, and nutritional education. Then the second part, essentially, we just, it's, it's more like the LLC, the business part, which is essentially just consulting, bringing in all the folks I know who do installations of aquaponics, hydroponics, soil base to sort of fund some of the stuff we do in the schools. Wherever we can, we can put them at, essentially, we're utilizing actual space, you know, green space, creating greenhouses at locations and having conversations with a lot of different companies even. Are you working
0: with cities too? Because there's a lot of empty lots that could be right, great right. growth spaces.
1: Right. Well, one thing I just created um, up in SAC is that there's a huge opportunity in Sacramento. There's a, a guy, um, really great guy, uh, Yisrael Farms up there, and he has maybe like half acre sort of compound, if you will, on his property and it's his family, his family just lives there. And he, he was just like, yo, well, if I can't, I'm not able to grow food. They make, you know, value added products as well. You know, so our, our focus, you know, so that nonprofit aspect, the, the LLC aspect and also the cooperative aspect for the communities is really looking at this, this value added product space. I've done that with SOS juice and then uh, Eric uh, Hager with um, farm X, a hydroponic a business he has out in Richmond has done that as well. So we're looking at just the whole ecosystem of urban agriculture and seeing how we can come in and and add value to the whole thing. And I think it looks like, you know, these value-added products and actually bringing in all the, the resource that foraging, all that stuff is out there, needs to be accounted for and actually redistributed or, or sold even.
0: Instead of wasting.
1: Instead it. of wasting. So that's what that's what we're looking at Our pharmacy. So we're looking at, you know, making medicines, making food for the community, but also looking at
0: I mean, is there a place people can go?
1: Yeah, that would be amazing. I mean I think that's like some steps down. I mean one thing I was stopped when I stopped doing SOS, um just doing the deliveries for SOS, you stopping at farmers market and I was doing deliveries. I was like, Well we just need a brick and mortar space Right. And I was thinking, wow, we need just this urban pharmacy cafe, you know, type of thing. Uh, but that is something on your radar? It's definitely on the radar. Okay. Definitely on the radar. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I read that you you would camp out yourself in front of fast food places and sell your SOS juice. Is that a correct story yeah. there? Well, yeah, when when we... you were starting out, it was sort of like a gorilla like, hey, you don't need to eat that stuff. You need to eat this stuff
1: right well it it wasn't so like we just camped out like we like <laughs> occupied McDonald's it, it it was more like um you know we were just out in the neighborhood i mean and then when you're out in the neighborhood in in west oakland or you know different places right across the street there's a kfc or right across the street there's a liquor store or whatever that's shelling um you know flaming hot cheetos or whatever that is so we sort of just had the music pumping and we were just giving people food giving people the juice serving the juice to people that's the that was the most fun actually, thing we've done. I mean, sort of just giving direct. One thing we chose the juice because it's just the it's immediate. You have the, you actually experience it right then and there. You experience the difference as well too. Yeah, so that's what we did. And then you know people had different reactions to it, but it, it was it's all like sort of disruptive, but but very fun and very enrolling for people.
0: So going even back a little bit farther, you've worked with Van Jones. You are Green for All fellow. What does that mean when you're a Green for All fellow?
1: Yeah, well, th- like back in 2008, um, I was part of the, the public lunch of Green For All um, with Ali Starr. She was the campaign, the event chair, and um, a bunch of great group of people. We we're It was a transition from Ella Baker Center to create this new organization because Van was sort of transitioning to this like green space and looking at green jobs and putting that meme into the national nomenclature. So I was really super inspired, and you know, we, so we created this national event in Memphis on April 4th, Martin Luther King's uh, commemorative assassination date. At that time, it was the 40th. That's, that was a public line, so I was an event spotlight organizer for that. And then eventually, you know, I was an organizer for that, then eventually came back and be an event spotlight organizer for before the 2008 presidential elections. So I did a bunch of stuff around the country. Just looking at different communities and really just looking at what, what was actually happening on the ground and bringing the stakeholders together to have an event bringing those folks together and then seeing what can happen after that. So just organizing basically around green jobs and, and for the communities and look different, different places. From there, I sort of stepped away, but then there was this whole um, this Green for All Fellowship organization, not organization, but group that was being formulated from people all around the country. Amazing people who were starting green initiatives in their communities but needed more support or felt siloed or felt like, wow, they're the only ones talking about this, making these connections between economics, climate change, environmental justice, you know, trying to figure out how to put those pieces together. And then, so from that point, the Greenfall Fellowship came to birth and we had meetings with Ben actually when he did the artist storytelling and things like this. And he talked about you know, it's just out a narrative. And really, like, how do you actually go out and enroll your community and actually, actually enroll the stakeholders to actually create this shift that we need to have happen? So we got a lot of training on how to organize and how to create solutions.
0: How can you get people even interested in climate change if they don't have jobs?
1: Yeah, I mean, one thing with SOS we were excited about was, you know, how we did SOS. Sure, there was a lot of juice bars or whatever popping up, but we did it solar. We did solar power in order to... To talk about that conversation, talk about solar power, and talk about what we were doing at SOS, you you had to have awareness about climate change. We talked about we had localized food, organic food. That's a very big conversation in terms of climate. We actually are a v- veganic organization, SOS, that directly relates to climate change. you know. So a lot of stuff we were just doing, we just cued it in and just framed it in such a way that, wow, this is sort of a trend sort of thing but also there's economic viability in this, but also it addresses these issue. And there's some money like you can make at the end of the day around this. So it was just being creative, really. What are
0: some of your challenges in in the communities you go into?
1: For example, like the first time I, we, we, a lot of this started, I remember I was working with people's grocery, like years ago, I was doing door to door and I was selling the grub boxes and I was doing the $24 boxes. If you live outside of West Oakland, but in West Oakland, you get it for 12 bucks organic produce. And I remember one went to the door and I was like, wow, this guy was like, yeah, I see you trying to do something good, but, you know, I ain't really going to eat that. You know, I ain't, you know, I, I got to go down the corner. I get my chicken wings and my whatever, whatever. Right. He was being real. He was like, yeah, I'm just not not going to eat it. Don't even waste your time. Right. What it showed me was like, wow, there needs to be a little more education. That's why I got into it, more education. And I was like, wow, there's needs to be education around the case for it. But also there needs to be more like sort of detoxification and more like healing Like mentally and just sort of like self-awareness work needs to happen. So dealing with the self needs to be a focal point. Same thing when I went, I was working with Ace. I was working, I was in a school once, school in Vallejo. I was leaving school and my phone got stolen in the school. So I'm trying to, it was a really hard day because I'm trying to talk to him about everything I was talking about. Climbing was the hardest audience I've had had. And the teachers weren't caring and the students weren't caring. And it was one of those moments, Is like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? This is insane. Like, I can't even have this coming. Like, I had to step three steps back to leave, not even know what in my comments. It was just like, so what's going on with you? What's going on at home? Like, talk. Like, let's, let's see how we can, in the 45 minutes that I have, we can have another conversation about why we can't even focus right now. Like, what's underneath all that? So what I saw, I was like, well, okay, we need to have a deeper conversation. So a lot of this came out of that. You know, it came out of, of looking at not feeling fulfilled at, and ever and able to deliver the real education that was needed that makes the long lasting shifts and changes that we need on this on this planet and especially in these communities. So
0: You're from Chicago uh-huh. originally. How did you make your way out to California?
1: From Chicago I went to the University of Rochester. I got, you know, some scholarship money to go to the University of Rochester, upstate New York. And I graduated from there with a double major in music management. I created a major actually in music management. They didn't have that at the time, and then um, psychology, and then a minor in creative writing. I was upstate New York, and I had a lot of friends from New York who was going to school there, so I ended up going to New York. Right after that, just for a short spell, did some music, made this album solo stereo, and I was like, well, I want to go out west. I want to study this transpersonal psychology. I was looking up this spiritual psychology stuff. I was like, that's the next step I want to go in. I had a choice to either work with my uncle in Jersey or go to California, so... I picked up everything and I went to California and went to, I checked out CIIS and then I checked out Institute of Transpersonal Psychology. So I just went to ITP. And, and where it- is that? In Palo Alto. And then so I ended up getting, I think it's called Sophia University, and I had, it had a name change. But then I'm getting really into like indigenous wisdom, shamanism, sound healing, vibrational therapy, that whole world, Taoism, like really deep into that space. And simultaneously, I was touring. I was doing work with uh, Wisdom at the time, hip hop, reggae band. I was also doing.
0: Yeah. When did Earth Amplified happen? This is your four piece. Is it still going on your four piece band?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's still going on. This was when I was going around the country working at Green For All, and I was a musician, and I noticed that what was really bringing these communities together was the food and the music, right? And it's just an essential part of organizing. And to be able to have that skill, it was a skill I noticed. I, had. I was like, wow, I can actually, people come together with this, and I us figure out how to budget that into our organizing, such that art always included. And also, I was working art in action, um, Ali Starr and David Solnit, if you know them, art in action, art in revolution. So I was always looking at art. In activism, Right. And looking at the power art and music to to create change and get people enrolled and get people listening. From that point, I was like, wow, we need to have like official green hip hop album. There's no album that's like all the tracks are dealing with, you know, the whole album is dealing with this conversation.
0: Like socially conscious.
1: Socially conscious and super like, yeah, we're going to talk about climate change. We're going to talk about food, deserts, all this stuff, GMOs, all that. We're going to talk about that in the music. You know, I was going back and forth to New York. I was in New York a bunch. Um, some in Baltimore, actually. I made a recorded a lot of that in Baltimore. I'll tell you the truth. Yeah. So eventually, you know, Earth Amplified, the album came out. Then I met my crew, and I was like, "Wow, that should be the name of the whole group."
0: Yeah, you had a a that video was, that so- be, went viral all over the world. Food fight. And we're going to listen to that. What year was that? This
1: was like 2010, actually. <laughs> actually. <laughs> That's what them say. That's what my least of them say. That's what the Babylon say. They call up on the lips and get fucked the same way now. That's what the to say. That's what the general say. That's what the empire say. But death, I know you get drop the same way. There's a war going on inside, no man is safe from D.D.T.'s P.C. Every corner in the hood got a KFC a make D's crack speed like RED, bullish the pulpit, so caffeine, kick cap, like a click, clack. hoes in these jeans. So get the jeans. Everything got the market ain't all the Little Debbie bustin' biscuits and sugar high fiends. Yeah, ain't nothing but a G-Dang. GMO, MSG, genocide, street gangs, aspartame, street cane. Was Santo, was Rambo, Roundup with ammo. Who would have known you could die from a die? Diabetes and the artist when you so the hot crook if you ridge too close so you might start a riot might be a full fighter That's what that street them say That's what the least them say That's what I got let them say We collar up on the lips again the same way now That's what that can I got to say That's what I then I gotta say That's what that empire say But death day I thought you get dropped the same way They shoot you Made you look at the labels on the food that you cook. Just say no to the Cocoa Box. Cause when you Google the ingredients, you might get got. Is your milk on drugs? Yeah, 2010, food fight. And also, I've done this Plastic State of Mind, which has, that one we also went viral with Ben Zono, Was working with him. And that has like 900,000 views or something. That's around plastic pollution. And what,
0: so, are you still doing it now?
1: Yeah, we're still, yeah, check me out. earthamplified.com. You can definitely Juice at Gmail, hit me up. We definitely come out and perform.
0: You've played with bands like Zion I, Bass Nectar, Black Alicious, yeah. and Michael Franti.
1: Yeah, so I think different situations like, you know, on tour with Wisdom, we opened up for Franti. Earth Amplified opened up for Black Alicious. Um Bass Nectar I actually do music with him in the studio and perform with him. So we got a show coming up May 29th in Red Rocks in Denver, actually, in Colorado. Also performing with Dogon Lights, I started working with them maybe eight months ago. Yeah, I sort of try to get out there and do some music a lot because it's, it's just really soulful. But. Yeah, Zion on the album, on the Earth Amplified album. Killer Priest from Wu-Tang's on the album.
0: So this music is all about... Um, the the It kind of backs up what you're doing at Urban Pharmacy, isn't it? it it's that same idea of educating people. Yes,
1: yeah, education, but it's also, you got to be dope, you know, it's dope, so... I mean, I, might, I may break away and just do some love songs, but it just seems there's a lot of topics that needs to be covered. I outside.
0: heard you do a beautiful Japanese chant, spoken word piece. I would love for you to do something right now. Yeah, sure. Uh, Give us an example of your spoken word.
1: Yeah, so the Matsu no regato, just to say that, that's from a uh, Sukiyama Marikari, and that's an indigenous Japanese chant that's really about, like, the purification of humanity. Okay. Yeah, so this is, again, this is the Matsu no This is uh, the Sukiyama Hikari. Gokubi <laughs> Shikai no bang to eto no miu yo ka mo matsu suna kami no komu tachi moromono no saka goto no kigari gigari yobamikari mate hari hiki yami mi sugite te kimino kono chi kana yuminge o tomo kashimi kashimi mo maosu myo yama no sumai memory umi kimi memori ai tsumae myo no sumai ai come
0: what is the message there what are you saying
1: essentially it's, it's calling upon an infinitesimal particles of the universe to come together it's actually also forgiveness and it's like you know please forgive me for our, my trespasses forgiving myself should be humanity for any impurities that we've incurred and may we please bring in the age of light. Can you please bring in and, and welcome the age of, of of spiritual enlightenment? How do your so students
0: respond to this? They must love it.
1: It depends on what I do. I don't say do. It depends on who I'm talking to and what I'm doing it. Um, there's other ch- indigenous chants I do too from different cultures, and I work like Peruvian. Do As
0: you citizens. do any Native American? Yeah, I,
1: I Cause, sit with
0: because they need some work. I mean, I was just reading in the paper today a terrible amount of suicide teenagers.
1: Yeah, you know. a lot of the Native community, yeah, there's there's that going on. It's you know it's a lot of um you know just you know just the what what folks have been through, um in this country. A lot of that sort of manifests in, in the generations, future generations, and the illnesses, and also. You know, the isolation and disconnection from these indigenous practices and healing practices, you know, creates a lot of uh, just just illness in general. So, but yeah, there's a lot of people working in these areas and chanting and praying. Art in Action, we worked up in Alaska with some indigenous Alaskan youth do Alaska Environmental Action Network. And really amazing. We taught people how to make beats. You know, they were to bring their songs, indigenous songs to it. And, you know, there's there's awakening. There's a tribe called Red that is doing some stuff like that. Amazing work. You know, Audio Pharmacy doing a lot of amazing work with uh, indigenous communities. Medicine for the People. You know, so there's a lot of folks out there that are doing it with the music and doing the culture and bringing culture as medicine.
0: You were going to do a spoken word piece as well.
1: Yeah. Welcome, everyone, to the event horizon. The one in the mirror when... We open up our eyes when one reaps, one souls, one thinks, unfolds. Dot it for one second, get blown off the mountain. Know it for one moment and lift off the island. Atonement is silence, the tone is Zion. Uno knew his fear, one thought of fear, one holographic sphere. Wonder why war appears everywhere. One, don't zone out, we scale out galactic. To let the phone home and crop circle the masses. Under the Buddha tree with Islamics and Baptists, you are the universe. Remembering is the practice. Six four grid, isometric, vector metric, yep, God lives. Arm, leg, leg, arm, head, a lot is symmetrically reflected out of single five spin, out of Anahatha's ribs. One, one world, one voice and one. One choice, one movement, one. One people, one planet.
0: Together we forever, one hardest man, take one. One. I would think all these students and young people would really respond to that kind of invitation almost to think about other things.
1: Yeah, I mean, the best way is really just to go and do a project, a music video, or do actual, like, song writing process. You know, so we do that, too. We work with young people around. Is that at
0: the uh, Alliance for Climate Education? or Well,
1: United Roots does more like that. So United Roots has Hack the Hood. They have UC, the Youth Entrepreneurship Organization, have music studios there.
0: And you're working there, too. You're doing yeah. well, so well, much.
1: Well, I'm one of the, one of the founders there, but I, I'm not actually working there every day like type of thing. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, I've went in there for workshops there. Mm-hmm. So I do a lot of, I, I go here, I go there. Well, I,
0: I think your work is important, and I, I, it's nice to meet an activist from Oakland. And I understand you had a, was it your aunt was, was a Black Panther back in the day? Yeah. So it's kind of running in the blood, that kind of activism for community.
1: Yeah, my family, I mean, whether that's, uh, you know, Black Panthers or just preachers, they are all about, you know, they're strong individuals who, they either pray or they protest, you know. I think what, what's happening now, though, is we're moving more to, like, this prayer space. My, my aunt is doing more stuff in in preschools now. She's in a Montessori school in Atlanta, and she's working, doing juicing with young people. And she's in this whole tip of, of actually working with the little ones. And I think that's a really powerful form of activism, like really taking care of our mothers and really taking care of our babies. I mean, what happens in these formative years is a real um impact on the world that we have tomorrow so yeah,
0: yeah. well i wonder, just if you can repeat for the audience how they want to get a hold of you about urban pharmacy what's your website and yeah
1: yeah so to to get a hold of us at urban pharmacy for workshops um education food system installations go to www.theurbanpharmacy.org and that's t h e f a r M-A-C-Y dot O-R-G, Pharmacy Like a Farm. For music, just www.earthamplify.com. And again, all this is on Facebook and other social media as well, but definitely check us out.
0: All right, Ashel, thank you for being on the program. You've been listening to Method to the Madness, a biweekly public affairs show on KALX Berkeley celebrating Bay Area innovators. If you have questions or comments about this show, go to the CalEx website, find Method to the Madness, and drop us an email. You can also find the link there for past programs. Tune in again in two weeks at this same time.